Welcome to the church family that is lifting lives through living love, inspiring hope, filling with faith, and transforming our world. These recorded messages are made available so that you might have additional opportunities to stay connected with us and that you might learn and grow in your faith. God bless you as you hear the word today. And now, the message. Happy are people who are hopeless because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Happy are people who grieve because they will be made glad. Happy are people who are humble because they will inherit the earth. Happy are people who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness because they will be fed until they are full. Happy are people who show mercy because they will receive mercy. Happy are people who have pure hearts because they will see God. Happy are people who make peace because they will be called God's children. Happy are people whose lives are harassed because they are righteous, because the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Happy are you when people insult you and harass you and speak all kinds of bad and false things about you, all because of me. Be full of joy and be glad because you have a great reward in heaven. In the same way, people harassed the prophets who came before you. Well, happy Ash Wednesday, everyone, and happy Valentine's Day. Um, earlier today, our youth pastor, Zach Cheeseman, showed me a, a slide that I wished I'd had up on the screen. Instead of, like, it's the same kind of chalk hearts, but instead of it he's saying, kiss me or you shine or best day, it said, remember, you, letter U, are dust. <laughs> and then below it said, you can't spell Valentine's without lint. I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> uh, so, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. And, and I thought, you know, since it's Valentine's Day, I, I was just curious. I, you know, I, you know, I want to look up and see what are some of the worst Valentine's Days that people have ever had. You know, if you, there's all kinds of like websites that kind of post open source. Tell us your worst Valentine's Day. So, I thought I'd share with you guys some of my favorites that I found. You guys ready? Okay, here's number one. My ex proposed to me at the top of a Ferris wheel on Valentine's Day. I truly cared about him, loved him very much, but I knew we were not ready for marriage, so I said no. But apparently, he paid the Ferris wheel operator a few bucks to keep us at the top for 10 minutes. <laughs> it was the longest, most awkward 10 minutes of my life. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Uh, Here's the second one. I got broken up with on Valentine's Day, which also happens to be my birthday, and I was obviously devastated. But the worst part was my mom cheered me up or tried to cheer me up by taking me to see a slasher movie, and I was crying the whole time through the movie. She tried. Third, at my high school, students could send Valentine's Day candy grams to each other. And my long-distance boyfriend somehow arranged to send me candy grams throughout the day. But a few days before Valentine's Day, he broke up with me for another girl. And sure enough, come Valentine's Day, I received candy grams every hour from him, telling me how much he loved me and how he couldn't wait to see me again. Here's another high school one. In high school, my boyfriend drove me to McDonald's where he put my present, a charm bracelet, in my McNuggets box. 
I should have known then, she writes. Uh, Here's a fun one. The guy I was dating at the time, we've been dating for 13 months, took me to the grocery store near my home so that I could pick out my own flowers and my own chocolates because, as he said, I would know best what I like. But then we walked past the stationary count section on our way to the checkout, and I realized he also wanted me to pick out my own card. <laughs> and then this one's just awful. It says, the guy I've been dating gave me black and dead roses, saying that's how he saw our relationship. Dead. <laughs> And then our last story uh, doesn't come from the internet. It comes from my own life. Uh, When I was in third grade, Angela Waddell was the new girl that moved into our class midway through the year. Angela was so pretty. I had an instant crush on her. And our teacher sat us alphabetically, which meant Waddell, Williamson, we were right next to each other. But I was painfully shy. I I could barely bring myself to speak to her. We were even on the same soccer team, but I could barely talk to her. And it didn't help that every other boy in the class had the same crush and everyone liked her. And it was even rumored that Jay, who was a fourth grader, a grade ahead, he, he was a star player on our soccer team that he liked her too. Anyways, fast forward a year, fourth grade comes now. And I want to make a grand gesture to declare to Angela my love. So I get one of those heart ba- uh, heart-shaped boxes of chocolate. But I couldn't give it to her in front of everyone. I didn't have the guts to do that. So I got to school early, and I hid it in her desk, left it from a secret admirer, and I was going to tell her later in the day, look for a private moment where I could, you know, reveal my feelings to her. Except she didn't find the chocolates. Some other girl was in her desk, was looking for something, found the chocolates. It just happened to be her name was Corey. She was the biggest loudmouth in class. She announced it to everyone, and then everyone's all above about who Angela's secret admirer is, and they're all making, and I didn't have the guts to claim the chocolates in front of her. That was a bigger gesture than I wanted to make. And so who got the credit for the chocolates? Jay, right. Within a week, they were boyfriend, girlfriend, and what sealed the deal was the chocolates I bought for her on Valentine's Day. Anyways. I imagine we all have some story, as some of us, I I guarantee all of us have some story, some Valentine's Day that didn't go the way we wanted it to go. But if you think you've had a bad Valentine's Day, you know, or any of these people have had bad Valentine's Day, none of them compare to the worst Valentine's Day ever, which was St. Valentine. Now, if you don't know much about St. Valentine, let me just give you this, you know, heads up. February 14th was the day... So we, that's what we honor uh, whenever we come to Valentine's Day. Now, we don't know a whole lot about St. Valentine. Uh, we know he was a priest who lived in the third century, uh, you know, in or around Rome. There's two different records. One's a priest, one's a bishop who both carried the name Valentine. It was a common name back in those days. It meant strength or valor in Latin. And they may have been actually the same person who different, uh, you know, different stories and traditions have assigned the name in different ways. One of the stories that circulates about St. Valentine is that he was arrested for proselytizing, sharing Christianity by a judge named uh, Asterius. I almost got the name wrong, Asterius. 
And he was arrested for sharing his faith and Asterius forbade him, you know, under penalty of death for telling anyone about Jesus. And far from being intimidated, Valentine said, well, I'll tell you about Jesus. And he started telling him about Jesus. And when he got to the part where he talked about how Jesus healed people on earth, Asterius stopped him right there and said, well, I have a daughter who's blind. And if Jesus can heal her, then I'll believe. But if he can't, then I'll kill you right away. And so... Valentine went, met the young girl, and he placed his hands upon her eyes, and he prayed for her, and sure enough, she regained her sight. And at that point, Asterius and all of his household, all of his children, all of his servants, all of them instantly converted to Christianity. And he, of course, released Valentine to continue preaching the gospel. And so Valentine was emboldened, began to preach even more and more, and eventually was arrested again. And this time, he was remanded into the custody of the emperor himself, Claudius II. And when he tried the same tactic of witness to to Claudius to share his faith, this time it didn't go so well. Claudius II had him beheaded on February 14th, 269 AD. Now, maybe two centuries after that, the Roman Catholic Church recognized him as a saint for his witness and for his martyrdom. And you may be thinking, oh, and here's the kicker. This is where the tradition of Valentine's comes from, because it is said that before he died, he wrote a letter to the young girl whose sight he had healed at one point, and he signed the letter, my dear Valentine. So where, so, but that wasn't a romantic relationship there. So where did the idea of, you know, Valentine's Day being this, 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 you know, him being the patron of love? Well, Chaucer invented it in the 1300s. He wrote a poem where he said that all the birds mated on February 14th, the day of St. Valentine. And so from that point forward, he became anointed as the, the patron saint of lovers. And and then, interestingly enough, he also became the patron saint of beekeepers, which adds new meaning to birds and the bees, right? So, anyway, that's the story of St. Valentine. And you know, you wonder, well, why are we doing this history? Why are we doing this story of St. Valentine? I guess I just wanted us for a moment to to move out of the headspace of teddy bears and chocolates and roses and Hallmark cards, and instead move into the headspace of the earliest Christians, those for whom following Jesus Christ carried sure risk of persecution. And I want you to imagine what it would be like for those earliest Christians to hear the words of the Beatitudes. Blessed are they who are poor in spirit. Blessed are they who mourn. Blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the meek, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. Blessed are you when men speak all manner of evil against you and they revile you and they insult you, for so they treated the prophets who came before you. Rejoice and be glad." For great is your reward in the kingdom of heaven. When I was coming up, learning the Beatitudes for the first time, the way I was taught them was this. Many of you may have had the same illustration. Maybe it was like, the way I was told them was like, these are the B-attitudes. These are the 
attitudes we should be, that we should emulate in our own lives, right? You ever, did anyone else hear that when you're coming up? Those are the B attitudes. But the Beatitudes aren't attitudes we should seek. They're promises that we can trust. They all point together to a God whose eye is on the sparrow, whose care enfolds the least of these. And they all point to a future redemption. You know, there's that pattern to the Beatitudes. Blessed are, blessed are, blessed are, for they will be, they will be, they will be. The faithful will receive blessing. They'll receive, they, they'll be comforted. They'll be filled. They'll be forgiven. They'll be called the children of God. They'll enter into the kingdom of heaven. They'll see God. They'll be called his children. All these blessings they will receive. They are promises. They're intended to sustain our faith in difficult times of struggle. And I swear I didn't really even catch this until just a moment ago while I was listening to Tracy read the scripture. And then when I listened to a song uh, that Frank sang, it's like, there's a pattern to him. Jesus begins with, blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they. And then the last verse, did you catch the change in pronouns? Blessed are you. When men revile you, when they persecute you, Jesus wants you to know, I'm not talking about people out there. I'm talking about you. When you undergo struggle, when you undergo strife, when you suffer, when you pay price for following me, you're blessed. For my Father sees you're held in his grace and you will experience future redemption. It's a promise that we can trust. So Lent is a season of sacrifice, right? It's a time when we remember the journey, we mark the journey of Christ, who for the glory that was set before him endured the scorn and the shame of the cross. And in honor of that journey, we humble ourselves. We take moral inventory of our hearts. We repent. We seek God. So the end of this 40-day journey, we may be prepared to receive the good news of Easter, the lifting, the redemption, the resurrection of Jesus Christ in our own lives. In this way, the, the journey of Lent mirrors the promises of the Beatitudes, that when we humble ourselves, when we're poor in spirit, when we're meek, when we're pure in heart, when we humble ourselves, then we experience the lifting of God, the consolation of God, a blessing so rich and so deep, it's so much better than anything we could get by seeking a self-centered life. And so here's what we're going to do. We've heard the Beatitudes twice. We're going to say them one more time. Tracy Vermillion's going to read the third uh, reading. This is going to come from Eugene Peterson's message translation. But here's what I want to ask of you. As we listen to the Beatitudes a third time, I want you to reflect on your own life and be thinking, which of these Beatitudes speaks to me this evening? which reflects maybe a struggle that I'm going through my own faith, which one reflects maybe a posture that you wish to cultivate so that you might 
better know God and better know God's mercy. And then later on in the service, when you receive the ashes, there are cards placed along the altar, one for each beatitude. And my hope is, is that when you receive the ashes, that after you receive the ashes, you'll go and pick up whichever card belongs to the beatitude that you kind of heard speaking to you this evening. And you'll place it somewhere in your home, in your office, as a constant reminder of God's blessing, God's love, God's care, and God's promise for you. So let's hear the Beatitudes one more time. I'm, I'm going to read the title as it's traditionally understood, and then Tracy's going to read Eugene Peterson's rendition of that promise. So blessed are the poor in spirit. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule. Blessed are those who mourn. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. Blessed are the meek. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. Blessed are the merciful. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. Blessed are the pure in heart. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. Blessed are the peacemakers. You're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. Blessed are the persecuted. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Would you join me in our prayer of confession? We come to confess our sins, to repent, and to seek your mercy. Forgive us when we condemn our enemies rather than extending a hand of Christ-like love. Forgive us for how quickly we judge one another. Remind us of your righteous justice. Forgive us when we wedge time with you into the tiny openings of our busyness. Pardon our tendency to prioritize worry over thanksgiving, prayer, and petition. Forgive us when we fail to believe that you love us, no matter what. We repent for our sinful thoughts and actions. Forgive us, reconcile us to you, and make us more like Christ in whose name we pray. Amen.